0: Take your Bible, if you would, and go to John chapter 12 with me this morning. I also want to make sure that you got the communion uh, ordinance that's out at the back. We don't, uh, because of COVID restrictions, we don't pass these out. But if you didn't happen to get one, they are in the back. They're individualized and you can get those because we are going to start 2021 with the Lord's table today, even though it is a bit of weather, I have been praying not to see a single snowflake. Till sometime in 2022, but um, I am hopeful that even though we got some snow this morning, we are supposed to have very warm temperatures throughout the week and a lot of rain, and I am praying that God takes it all away. <laughs> but it is good to see you, and thank you again, Sophia, for reading this passage. I'm going to be preaching a lot through J- uh, January, and my goal, in and, and fact, we're coming to probably the three greatest chapters for me in my life when we get through John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. But I'm very excited to do that. But for the month of January, I'm going to clue up John chapter 12. And if you notice in my title that Debbie put online and things like that, I thought it was great for us to start here on January the 3rd of 2021 with this expression, especially on a communion Sunday. And that's this. And I want to be very unapologetic about this. I want to be very pointed about this for the viewers online, for all of you here. This is what we believe in a crazy, crazy time that I'm going to talk about. Jesus had to die. You you need to believe that, okay? Because here we are. It is 2021. We made it, all right? We made it through. Now, I don't know about you, but I want you to be honest. Because I've often thought about this, I grew up in church, and it's always amazed me about dates and times and the turning of calendars, but I don't know about you, but this Sunday doesn't feel really any different to me than last Sunday did. It's, it's just another change of the date, the calendar change. I don't know that a whole lot has changed from Thursday night to this Sunday morning with the exception that there's snow on the ground. And I don't know if you realize as church members and church goers, and for those of you tuning in online, I don't know if you realize how hard and how much pressure pastors and preachers have been feeling about preaching this particular Sunday, the first Sunday of 2021. In fact, I would submit that maybe this has been the hardest sermon I've had to preach in my entire ministry, and for obvious reasons. 2020 has been a year unlike any year in my entire life. And how? How do you sum up 2020 and then cast a vision for 2021? I mean, what can you say? Because nobody saw 2020 coming. Nobody did. And I suspect we've all had the usual suspect suspect, cliché sayings at this time, right? Oh, forget about it. Put 2020 in the rearview mirror. Forget about it. It'll all be over soon. The worst is behind us. God's got this. My favorite. Let go and let God. Right? You can still have your best life now. Or your best life is just around the corner. It's somewhere in 2022 or 2021. And then maybe you have friends that are a bit more on the pessimistic side of things who warm your heart with, oh, the worst is yet to come. It's far from over. It could get worse. But let me ask you this. From the youngest of you who are probably wondering about school, whether it's day school, university, community college, to the oldest of you that are wondering about, I don't know, retirement, or when can you easily see all of your family, who are you and how are you feeling about all this stuff? Now, I mean it. Let's take it from the 30,000-foot view right down to the view of you and me in our lives. Over the last four days, as we've turned the page out of 2020 and into 2021, what are you hoping your, your next year is going to be like? Are you longing for more peace, more money, more love? Or maybe for better money or for better peace or better love? Are some of you praying right now for a girlfriend or a boyfriend, a spouse, or just a friend? Are you praying that you'll pass your grade, your semester, your course? Have you been praying that it'll get life will get back to normal? You'll get the job you lost back or the job you've wanted to come. Maybe you're looking for a car this year or a church. Maybe for some of us to make it really close to home, maybe we're looking for a church building. Or maybe we're looking for extra money. Maybe this is the year you're hoping to get out of debt or just simply pay the bills and not feel like you're going backwards. Is this the year that you have to face surgery? Is this the year you hope that cancer will be gone? Is this the year you're hoping life will finally make sense? What are you clinging to, praying for, longing for? What are your goals? What are your dreams? What's on your bucket list? Maybe for some of you, it's simply, I just want to travel. I want to be able to leave Newfoundland and not have to quarantine for two weeks. Maybe for some of you, it's if this year we can just not have to wear masks. Or for some of you, it might be, can this be the year I can just walk up and hug somebody and not have everybody around me go, (gasps) And then there's guys like me, because I know Jennifer's not longing for this, but I am, for the time when we can shake hands again as a church. (laughs) There's some people that are hoping that never comes back, all right? Let me just tell you that. I think we are also wondering about the effects that all this past year is going to have. What effect will COVID-19 have on you and me this year? Especially as we look throughout all of 2021. How will I make out? How will you make out? How will we make out emotionally or physically or spiritually? Whether you're talking about the mental to the spiritual or to the economical, we are all trying to figure out what life is going to be like. How has How does, how will 2020 affect me in 2021? What do you hope life will be like for Calvary Baptist Church in 2021? Is this the year we finally break ground on our new building? Will we see our church grow? And yet, I would ask, what does grow mean? Who are you going to be praying for this year? That they might know Jesus. What are you praying for yourself for 2021? I put out an article of 21 questions you can ask yourself as you start 2021. How do you want your life to change this year? Or how would you like it to stay the same? Or just, well, other. Now as we looked at John chapter 12, what if, what if I told you that for us, If we want to gain a proper perspective on 2020 and have some real hope for 2021. What if that the answers to life and death, your past, your present, and your future that will be or can be yours this year. What if I told you, you can find the answers. You can and will find peace. Or you can get fulfillment. Or you can have joy. What if I told you that you can make sense of life. That in 2021, you'll actually find courage or get relief. What if I told you that this is the year you'll get that answer to prayer that you've been praying for, for maybe days, weeks, months, or even years? Maybe this is the year that you'll discover that new relationship, find that new career. What if I said that this is the year your marriage is going to find new purpose or your family will be renewed or you'll finally feel at home in church? How would you react? What would you feel? What would you be willing to do or give up or pay to have that kind of knowledge, that kind of security? Well, I'm here on the first Sunday of 2021 to tell you this. With all the confidence I can muster in my frail humanity... You can have that kind of assurance. But just one thing has to happen Jesus Christ must die. He had to. Yes, as we begin 2021 with the chaos. With COVID 19 still rampant, vaccines trying to be rolled out, with restrictions still at play, and all the economic upheaval, and the more questions than we have answers, personally and even here at Calvary, maybe, if we're going to have hope, if we're going to make sense of life, if we're going to know why we do what we do, if we are going to find purpose and have mission, and by the way, stay on it, and if we're going to pray and serve and love and see lives changed, if we're going to see our families impacted by grace and our city see life and mercy, then you you need to believe and know that Jesus Christ had to die and this is the power of John chapter 12 27 to 36 and in this wonderful setup by God's Holy Spirit here we are in this passage on the first Sunday of 2021 as we gather to celebrate communion because why do we do this why are we going to use this unique little package thing with the tartiest grape juice ever known to humankind we do it in remembrance of Christ. Well, what are we remembering? That he died for you, for me. And so today, for just a few short minutes, as we come to communion, I want us to consider this. What are the effects of Jesus' death? What was the effect that Jesus, The world experience that Jesus went through, that you and I go through, because Jesus had to die. If you're taking notes, I want to look at John chapter 12 and beginning in verse 27, and I want to look first at the effect of the cross on Jesus. If you're taking notes, I want you to think about the effects of the cross in Jesus. Sophia read this for us this morning. Look at our passage again, because Jesus is going to shock us. John uses this expression, I believe, to shock his audience. Jesus begins with, now my soul is troubled. Jesus says, my soul is troubled. John has written his gospel in two parts. There's 21 chapters. The first 11 chapters are called the book of signs. Because John picks out seven signs from all of the things that Jesus did. From chapter 12 to chapter 21, it's often called the book of exaltation. Now that might seem confusing, right? Because how is Jesus exalted if I'm right that he has to die? John has carefully chosen these seven signs of untold amazing acts. And never, please never forget John's purpose. Remember? John chapter 20, verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples. Okay? And John says, I didn't write them in this book. Why? Because I picked out seven. These are written. These seven signs are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and family, both here and online, I want you to realize John the Apostle is writing for you and I not only to come to a conclusion, but he wants you to come to a decision. And understand, that's the purpose of preaching, by the way. Preaching is not to inform you. Preaching is to compel you. I have an agenda I want you to hear God's word and I want you to come to a conclusion which leads to a decision. John wants you to hear this passage and believe that Jesus is the Christ. But then, what does that mean? He wants you to trust Jesus. He wants you to put your life in the hands of Jesus. And John 12, 27 tells us why. Because Jesus is troubled for us. (laughs) In a world of trouble in a world of chaos, in a world of uncertainty, in a world of anxiety, in a world of mixed messages, I long and I'm burdened for the generation underneath me. When I look into the faces of you young people that are in your preteens and your teens, and I can't imagine what it's like because you are constantly being sent mixed messages. Girls are being told to be pretty and yet manly. And guys are being told to be manly and yet feminine. And it's like no matter what you choose, something's wrong. It must be exhausting, confusing. And I want you to know that when you feel deep down this trouble, Jesus was troubled for you. Look at what Jesus does. He says, my soul is troubled. Why? Why is he troubled? He says, and what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour. Look at our passage. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour, Father. Glorify your name. Jesus says, save me from this hour. Now, if your Bibles are open, look back at verse 23. Because then he says back there, remember he told the, tells the Greeks and his disciples, my hour has come. Now, you've got to understand that with the coming of the Greeks here in John chapter 12, now all has been accomplished from Jesus' point of view. He's lived the life he was called to live. He's done the signs he was called to do. He's reached out to the house of Israel, now to the Gentiles of the world. They're all taking notice of Jesus, and they're coming to him. Now, before this, his hour had not come. John is so neat to track through. This is why I encourage people to read it. In John chapter 2, John told his mother Mary when she asked him to turn water into wine, he goes, woman, my hour has not yet come. It's interesting to track this through. In John chapter 4, he told the woman at the well that his hour had not come yet. It was coming. It was almost here, but it had not come yet. He told a Jewish crowd in John chapter 5 that the hour was coming and almost here, but wasn't here yet. And then in chapter 7, when the religious uh, uh, elite wanted him arrested, John says they couldn't arrest him because his hour wasn't here yet. Same thing again in John chapter 8. But here now in John chapter 12, Jews and Gentiles are being called. The message has been proclaimed. The signs have been performed. Now the hour has come, and Jesus is troubled by it. This is the effect of the cross on Jesus. Jesus is going to suffer at the man hands of men. But I want you to realize that he's going to suffer according to the will of God. Now take a minute and think about the most tense and anxious experience you've had in the last 12 months. When was the last time you truly considered when your soul was troubled? When you just had that knot in the pit of your stomach? When sleep evaded you? When you couldn't eat because you thought about that appointment or that conversation or where your children were? Or is my spouse going to stay with me? Or what will the doctor tell me when I go to see him or her? Have you ever experienced it when your soul is troubled? But have you ever thought about this? When was the last time you actually thought about what our sin has done? In Matthew and Mark and Luke, they take us to the Garden of Eden the three writers of what is called the Synoptic Gospels. And this is often what we look at when we see Jesus' pain and his anguish and his burden. This is the effect. Jesus is going to suffer. And now, notice, remember what he said in Matthew, Mark, and Luke? Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. But not John. John the Apostle, once these Greeks come, and Jesus now knows the cross is just ahead, and my soul is troubled. No old preacher, A.W. Pink, put it like this. What occasioned this trouble of Jesus, the insults and the sufferings which He was to receive at the hands of men, the wounding of His heel to the serpent? No. Indeed, it was the prospect of being made a curse for us, of suffering the righteous wrath of a sin-hating God. How much anxiety have you and I felt what has troubled your soul. Jesus knows what awaits him. He doesn't do this with ignorance. He knows exactly what he's going to face. And you know what this should teach us? Because notice at what Jesus does. He doesn't run. He doesn't quit. He doesn't complain. If you're taking notes, write down these two words. He prays. When his soul is troubled, he prays. Jesus knows what the will of God is. He trusts his Father. He submits to the will of God. But more than that, Jesus wants God to be glorified. And here is Jesus practicing the very formula of prayer he taught the disciples to pray back in Matthew chapter 6. Remember? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His soul is troubled. He's feeling the burden on the cost. And the pain and the anguish of sin. And he prays, Jesus isn't resolved because Jesus would save. He is comforted and strengthened by the fact that God is going to get glory. Now look at what happens next. In verse 28. God speaks. God speaks. Have you ever looked at this? Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. You notice Jesus prays and he gets an answer to his prayer. Your Bible is filled, actually, with if you pray and ask anything in my name, according to my will, you'll get it. The reason why Jesus always gets an answer to prayer, he always prays according to the will of God. Not my will, but your will be done. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But do you realize this isn't the first time that God the Father has spoken during Jesus' life? He spoke at his baptism. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He spoke at his transfiguration when Peter, James, and John, this is my beloved Son, hear him. One commentator put it this way I love this. Jesus was glorified. God was glorified by angels at the singing of Jesus birth. Glory to God in the highest. God is glorified at Jesus baptism because that is where he is now committed to living out the life that he needs to according to the will of God. Jesus is glorified or sorry God is glorified at Jesus transfiguration because there his god-manness is on display and he's glorified here because the cross is coming. And so God is glorified. This is the effect of the cross on Christ. It troubles him. It burdens him. It drives him to prayer. It drives him to want the glory of God. But now look at the next few verses in verse 30. And secondly, look at the effects of the cross on the world. Look at the effect of the cross on the world. Jesus says, This voice was for you. Again, this is why I love reading through gospels over and over again, because you should see a part, a pattern here. This should remind you of John chapter 11. Do you remember when Jesus prayed before the tomb of Lazarus? And he, and he wants, and he says, Lord, he, he's wept, and he says, Lord, I, I, I'm so overwhelmed by the effect of sin on the world. And then he says, He lifted up his eyes to the Father and said, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around. Once again, it's not just that Jesus prays because his soul is troubled. Get this on the first Sunday of 2021. He prays for your benefit. He prays for you even before he has died and rises from the dead and goes to the right hand of God the Father. Jesus Christ has always been your advocate, my advocate, our intercessor. He prays. He's our example that we can trust and follow. Jesus tells the disciples and the crowd, the voice was for you. You see, Jesus already trusts God, already depends on him, already submits to God the Father. Jesus is already strengthened and guided by the Holy Spirit, just like John's gospel is written for us. So Jesus prays for us. And now he's going to tell us why. Because in verses 30 to 33, we find out why Jesus had to die. This is why we celebrate communion, especially you young people that maybe you were born into a Christian family. Maybe you've been coming to this church since the day you were born. Maybe some of you older people have been born into Christian families and you're just used to doing communion. I want you to realize, do you know why we do communion? Because Jesus had to die. And you know why? Because sin is sinful. The cross of Christ judges the world. Why? Not in some sanctimonious self-righteousness. The cross of Christ judged the world because it condemns the world's sin. If Jesus had to die, then you and I need to realize how awful sin is. It's so awful that nothing less than the death of the second person of the Trinity could pave the way for salvation and forgiveness from sin. This is why we have a call to confession in our services. The cross of Christ judges the world because it exposes the selfishness of the world. It shows how the world was made to be a place where people unselfishly lay down their desires for the benefit of others. But that's not what we do, is it? J.C. Ryle said, terribly black must be that guilt for which nothing but the blood of the Son of God could make satisfaction. Heavy must that weight of human sin be which made Jesus groan and sweat drops of blood and agony at Gethsemane and cry at Golgotha, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? See, in 2021, we live in a world that writes off sin as a small thing. We don't tell lies. We we exaggerate we've got problems. Today, sin is excused as a dysfunction. It's no longer viewed as evil. Sin is written off as the inevitable result of of poor environments. But the cross of Jesus Christ exposes the evil of the world's sin in a way that judges the world. And what's the other effect of the cross on the world? The cross judges the world's attitude towards Jesus. Richard Phillips says, why after all was Jesus crucified? On the Godward side, he was crucified as a sacrifice for our sin. But now men and women, listen to me now. But on the manward side, on the world side, have you ever thought about this? Jesus was being removed by a world that hated him. I know we've come through the warm and fuzzies of Christmas, and baby Jesus in a manger. If you want to understand the world, consider what it did to Jesus Christ. Think about it. He lived a perfect life of truth and love, healing and teaching the people, so the world killed him. Therefore, Jesus anticipated the cross by saying, now is the judgment of this world. But here's my favorite effect of the cross on the world. It's the one that we all need to realize as we begin 2021. Look at verse 30 again. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Friends, listen. Jesus had to die because that defeats the power and the plan of Satan. Oh, There are two great loves I have, longings I have, to make every man and woman in this church understand. Number one is this. God defines you. The world doesn't define you. You don't define you. Even the bad things that have happened to you don't define you. And if you're living and you're looking at me right now, it means your heart is beating, which means your story is not written yet, which means God has a plan and a purpose and an identity and a value for you. (laughs) But the other thing I wish I could get everybody in this church to understand, Satan's lost if there was ever an appropriate time for us to do the pop culture thing and go, loser, it's to Satan. He's lost. He's defeated. That's the effect of why Jesus had to die. Genesis 3.15 is finally about to be fulfilled. The hour has come. God has spoken. But notice the irony. I wonder what Satan thought. From his point of view... It seemed like his greatest triumph. Jesus is going to die, and not only that, he's going to die at the hands of his own creation, his own chosen nation of people. And friends, the world sees and knows this and mimics it. Why do you think you love old movies like E.T. and The Matrix and even Captain America? Have you ever noticed the common theme? Someone dies on behalf of others someone dies. And then yet, they live. E.T., remember that little alien? You know what? I don't want to even do it. it would be too <laughs> pathetic. All right? He comes back to life in the Matrix. Neo. Oh, he lays down his life. Remember in that first movie and he gets shot to death? And then all of a sudden, he's back to life. And Captain America put the plane down into the into the ocean, froze to death for 70 years, comes back to life. Do you ever wonder why Hollywood is trying to feed you this story? It's because they can't help but take notice of the effect of the cross on the world. I find it ironic. They mock Jesus. They deny Jesus. They won't turn to Jesus, but they write stories inadvertently about him. Oh, young people, don't miss this. It's the greatest reversal ever. Jesus instead overthrows Satan's reign, his reign through sin, and he holds sway over men and women through the power of their guilt before God and by shaming them. But Jesus' death removes our sin by paying the debt of our guilt. Moreover, if you believe and come to Jesus for your forgiveness, Christ not only forgives you, God not only adopts you, but he gives you his spirit to indwell you, which means Satan doesn't own you anymore. Get that this year as you start it. Oh, Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse said, when a person becomes a Christian, he is delivered from Satan's grasp and the chains of sin which had shackled him or her are instantly broken. You see, the cross not only secured not only the judgment of the world that rejected Jesus, but it also overthrew his enemy, the devil. And notice in verse 31, Jesus says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. In other words, God is glorified. So there must be a reward for Jesus' submission and obedience, right? And there is. God has promised Jesus a people. A people from every tribe and nation and tongue and young and old, rich and poor, male and female. Now listen, this is not universalism. Like now it doesn't matter how you live because Jesus died and we're all gonna get saved. No, all here means that all of the people God has promised to Jesus. The Puritan Jeremiah Burroughs writes, behold the infinite love of God to mankind and the love of Jesus Christ That rather than God see the children of men perish eternally, he would send his son to take up our nature upon him and thus suffer such dreadful things. And herein God shows his love. Oh, what a powerful, mighty, drawing, efficacious mediation this would be and should be to us. Jesus had to die. Why? In order that God would be glorified, that the world and Satan would be judged. But Jesus died... So that the love of God through Jesus would be displayed. That's why John 3.16 is so beautiful and powerful. God so loved the world. Now, on the first Sunday of 2021, with all of your issues, all of your junk, all of your sin, all of your pride all of your hurt. Listen now. God so loved you that he sent his son for you. I'm going to tell you, friends, this is what courses through my veins. It's why I don't live in the past. It's why I'll never be paralyzed by my present. And it's why I have never ever once in my life doubted my salvation because God says, Stephen, I loved you so much. I died for you. So your sin is paid for. Satan doesn't win. Your past doesn't win. COVID doesn't win. Struggles in your marriage, don't win. Struggles at church, don't win. Struggles with your kids, don't win. Struggles with emotional upheaval, don't win. God says, I paid for it. I died and paid for it. I think of the greatest illustration. Here's this one, all right? It's my favorite illustration, I think, of all, the, of all the illustrations I've ever heard. If you want to understand the love of Jesus, see it in this. But a little boy, the story is told, and he got a kit, and his grampy and his dad taught him how to make a sailboat. And he spent weeks, months making this sailboat, and when he finally got it complete, he took it down to the lake, and he put it in the water, and he pushed it out ever so gently, and it sailed beautifully. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. The wind blew and the sail caught it and it leaned over to the right just as a real sailboat was supposed to do. And he kept going out. And, but as he went out, he created waves. And as he was going, it kept going. And he couldn't catch up with it. And the, falling, the sailboat worked so well, but it got out of sight and out of reach. And despite all of his efforts, the boy could not get to his boat until finally it was gone. He went home and he cried. He was devastated. And the story is told that months later, he was walking past a store window when, to his amazement, in the window was his boat. And it was for sale. It had a very expensive price on it. He went into the store and he explained to the storekeeper, This is my boat. I made this, I created this. And the storekeeper said, I'm sorry, but I paid a great deal of money for this toy boat and I can't give it to you for free. So the boy went home again, the second time, now crying again, but determined. And he decided he would do small jobs and he would collect his allowance. And he went around the neighborhood and he did everything and anything he could to work and save up the money. And at last, nobody bought the boat. And he walked into the store and, and, and he put all of his money, all of his savings, all of his effort on the counter. And he bought the boat and the storekeeper said, here you go, my buddy. And he said, now this boat is twice mine. Once because I made you and once because I bought you. Do you realize? That's Jesus with you and me. He created you. We are his by creation. He owns us. He has every right over us, but we sailed away with sin. And then he came and he lived a perfect life and his soul was troubled and this is the effect of Jesus' death. So my question is, lastly, what is the effect of the cross on you? In John chapter 12, verse 34, we get some insights into the response of the people. If you look at it, and I'm going to unpack this next week, religion questions, the crowd wonders, but are you sensing the call of God upon your heart and mind? This passage should teach you, men and women, that faith is the necessity of the gospel. You have to believe in Jesus, not believe about him, not believe he's a good guy. Salvation only happens as you respond to the call of Christ. And by the way, another lesson, Calvary Baptist Church for 2021 is according to this, we've got to preach the same gospel Jesus did, that sin is sin, the effect of the cross on Jesus. And how are you and I as Christians going to take this into communion into 2021? Very quickly. Number one, I want you to remember Jesus willingly endured this for you. He didn't do it reluctantly. He didn't do it because he had to. He wasn't ordered to. Hebrews chapter 12 reminds us who for the joy that was set before him I want you to remember Jesus' example of prayer because I think some of you right now, your soul is troubled. You're struggling. Some of you are struggling with anxiety. Maybe some with anger, resentment, broken friendships, relationships, expectations. Just remember when your soul is troubled, Jesus prayed. And then remember Jesus' priority. It was God's glory. And so as we come to communion... I want to remind you of this. Jesus was troubled so that you and I can bring our troubles to him. Truly, the old hymn has it right, right? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Jesus died so we can live. Oh, young people, listen. That is not your religion. That's truth. And Jesus is the light we need to see in our dark world. And so, obviously, don't just believe Jesus because of his words. Believe Jesus because he demonstrated the power to back up those words. Will you come to him? Will you trust him? Will you follow him? Calvary... Will we honor him? Jesus had to die so that we could live. Let's live this year. Not in fear. Not in selfishness. Not in short-sightedness. Let's live for Jesus because He died for us. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a reason to have communion. Let's pray. Father God, as my fellow elders come, As we are bowed in prayer, both here in this room and online, and men and women are tuning in, I want the whole world to know that Jesus had to die. And Jesus died because it was your will, and Jesus died because it was my sin. And Jesus died because it defeated sin and defeated Satan. And Jesus died for your glory. And Jesus died so that we could live and so Lord as these elders come up here with me we don't gather up here because we're the leaders of Calvary Baptist Church how dare we say that you're the head of this church they don't gather up here because they're some sort of spiritual Sanhedrin these are sinners saved by grace I only ask my brothers to come and join me up here so we can stand before our other brothers and sisters so we can stand in front of this camera that beams us out to the world so we can boldly declare we are simply the recipients of God's love. And we are here to praise God. We are here to follow you and to trust you and declare that we remember what you've done for us. And Lord, COVID-19 doesn't stop the gospel. And economic setback doesn't stop the gospel. And our sinfulness doesn't stop the gospel. And our growth doesn't stop the gospel because we are simply the recipients of your grace. But Lord, when we hear it and we see it and we've touched it and we've experienced it, Lord, the grace of God changes us from the youngest to the oldest. It humbles us. It gives us bravery to be honest about our sin and our struggles. It gives us a fuel to say, I want to be right with other people. I don't want to harbor bitterness. I don't want to hang on to the past. I want to give it to Jesus because Jesus died for it. So Lord, as we commune with you now on this first Sunday of 2021, help us as a people to see you, follow you, hear you, trust you and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.